Good morning, church family. It's good to see you this morning. Hope that you had a great weekend and glad that you have decided to be here to begin your week uh, worshiping the Lord. As was said, it is the best thing that you can do any first day of the week. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, which was read to us earlier. We're going to dig into that a little bit uh, as we go throughout our lesson. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, that's on page 816. Page 816 in our pew Bibles, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. We'll be there shortly. Uh, I got to say today on a day where uh, some of the kids are just a, a little bit uh, more rambunctious and loud today, man, I love hearing those babies. I love hearing those to- toddlers uh, who are uh, making sure that we, we know that they are there. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, and also as a good reminder for uh, next week, next week is Legacy Sunday uh, because all those little kids have grandparents or are grandkids. Uh, next week, we're going to take the opportunity uh, on Grandparents Day that's celebrated in our nation on the second Sunday of each September. Uh, we're going to recognize and, and worship and, and look at the, the legacy of our faith within our family. So we hope that you will take advantage of that. If you have uh, either in town or maybe some Somewhere close by, or even if they want to travel in for the weekend, uh, invite your grandparents and invite your grandkids to come and be with us next week. That would be a wonderful thing. Uh, if you are going to do that, or if you're, even if you're not going to do that, we are going to have a fellowship meal next Sunday after our morning services. And there is a sign-up list right out this doorway on your right-hand side on our project board. If you can sign up and just give us a, a general idea of how many people are coming from your family so we can have a pretty good number of who's going to stay uh, and eat with us that day. And again, next week is a Church Eat Church. So we'll have our regular Bible class at 9 o'clock, our worship at 10 o'clock. We'll have a meal uh, over in the Fellowship Center or the gym. Uh, and then we'll have a devotional over there. And there will be no PM service uh, next week. So that's what's going on next week. Hope that you'll uh, be a part of all of those things. Did you know that today, or tomorrow actually, is the 129th celebration of Labor Day? Uh, Were you aware of that? I was not until I looked it up. I just figured it always kind of been a part. That's at least my understanding of of, uh, how long it's been. Uh, it was established in 1894. And we think of Labor Day, and it's, it's a great thing. And we appreciate, at least for some of us, maybe most of us, uh, a day off, a day from uh, to be able to be at home and be with our families. We think about celebrations and the time we get to spend with family. And, and you know, kind of that, it, in many ways, in our culture today, it's, it's more become a kind of an, an end-of-summer celebration. You know, after, after Labor, Labor Day... You don't wear white shoes. I don't know if that's a thing anymore, ladies. But, uh, you know, you, it's kind of the end of the summer, and it's a transition from the end of summer into to fall and, and all those types of things. But Labor Day's beginnings were not quite as positive, probably, as the feelings we have about it. Uh, the Industrial Revolution started in the 1800s, and most historians agree that the, the cutoff of that would be uh, the year 1900. Uh, and during the Industrial Revolution over in Europe and also in America, of course, um, uh, machinery and, and that type of thing was what uh, began to, to take over the, uh, the, the workspace. People would leave the farms and they would move into the cities and they'd work in the factories and, and these types of things. And, and the reality is, over that 150 years or so of that uh, Industrial Revolution, or, or however long it may have been, that, that work conditions were not good. That most people worked 12-hour days, if not longer. Uh, that, that safety conditions within those factories were, were not very good at all. And here's one thing that, that we probably would have a hard time really reconciling. It wasn't just adult men who were most of the workforce, and maybe even some women, Uh, But child labor was still not illegal uh, at this point. So for much of the Industrial Revolution, uh, children were working in those factories. And and not just teenagers, uh, but young children working in those factories. Not going to school, but working in those factories in those unsafe conditions. 
Uh, so the president at the time in 1894, Grover Cleveland, he's the one who signed uh, and made Labor Day a thing on the federal level, and then later on it would go on to, to state levels. But even then, while we, we think of it as a celebration of the American laborer, and it is today, at that time in reality it was probably, at least in some ways, uh, a political item because just a few months prior to this, uh, there had been some protests, people who were protesting for uh, shorter than 12-hour work days, people who were protesting for the end of child labor, people who were protesting for uh, safer work environments. Uh, but there was, that was a big, a big contention, a bit, some, uh, some difficulty that was going on within our nation and really around the world uh, at that time. And Grover Cleveland did sign it into law in 1894, but again, this was only after probably a couple of months or a few months prior to this, he had sent the army uh, to stop a protest in a certain city, and some people had died. Uh, there were protests, there was violence, there was death that happened. Uh, so we, we celebrate this, this Labor Day, this, this day of rest, but it had some, uh, some unfortunate beginnings uh, tomorrow you're going to celebrate it probably, and maybe some of you again may have to have to work. And, and Glenn said, you know, when if you're working on a farm, you work every day, so it doesn't matter what whatever day it may be. But uh, we we recognize and we appreciate the idea of Labor Day, a day of rest. You know, rest has always been something that's been important to God. You remember on the seventh day, God rested from his his work of creation. It wasn't because God was tired; it was because his work was complete. Uh, but we recognize in the Old Testament, the Jews were commanded to uh, keep the Sabbath and keep it holy, right? That there was a, a day of rest, a day of focus, a day of uh, worship to the Lord. It has always been something that has been important to God. And even Jesus, in these verses that we read earlier that we'll read again now in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus finds rest, rest to be something important. Let's, let's read this. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, or all who are weary and labor, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A few things just to point out, and then we're going to make some points uh, as we go throughout the rest of the lesson. Man, what a, what a beautiful phrase that is at the end of verse 29. It's not just rest, as we think about rest. You find rest, Jesus offers Rest for your souls. And that's what I want to maybe us think about and see, well, how do we get that kind of rest? How do we get rest, not just a physical rest because we've been working hard and we're tired or we've been out in the heat and, and we're, we're wore out, we're exhausted. How do we get this rest for our souls? Another thing to think about is Jesus promises this rest in the end of verse 28. He promises rest for our souls at the end of verse 29. But this isn't a, a rest that does not have responsibility. Isn't a rest that doesn't include some sort of work? Because again, in verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you. And we know from, uh, from agriculture and from uh, those types of things that the yoke is what goes over the animals as they, they plow the fields. There's work to be done. So he promises rest, but it's not rest without work. It's not rest without responsibility. And he even says in verse 30 that there is a burden. Now he says the burden is light, but there is a burden. Sometimes I think that Usually when we think about this, either thinking about rest or thinking about serving the Lord, there's generally, and this is a stereotype, so you may or may not fit into this, but there's generally two responses to lessons like this to the point where 
I debated whether or not I was going to preach this lesson this morning because I hate one of these responses. One of the responses is if you talk about service, if you talk about uh, serving the Lord more, and on the flip side of this, if you talk about getting the rest that you need in order to serve the Lord well, uh, one of the responses is, okay, yeah, I need some rest. I need some more rest. But you look at, maybe ask some of the other fellow Christians around you, and, and maybe we would, we would say, well, you know, some people, no one here, of course. Some people are just lazy, right? Okay, now I'm not saying that's you. I'm just saying some people are lazy. And when we think about rest, they're going to take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, you know, I just, I don't feel like doing that. I just, I just need some rest, you know. I just need some rest. And that's not a good response, let me just tell you. So after this lesson, as we're, taking, as we're, as we're talk, talking about the importance of rest, and there, there is, rest is important. That's what we're going to focus on. This isn't a, a pass to say, well, you know, I, I know there's this, this thing that I need to do. This, there's this, this church event or, or maybe even more importantly, there's this person I know in my life or there's this opportunity that, that I have that nobody else has. Well, you know, I, just, I need some rest. You know, we, we can use that as an excuse. The, the other flip side of it that, that I, I find more difficult is, is there have, has, without fail, every time I've preached a lesson on, hey, we need to serve the Lord better. You know what often happens? The people who serve the Lord best come to me and express guilt for not serving the Lord more. Every time. Every time. When, when, and when we, when we have these, here, here's a, let me pull the curtain back a little bit. When we have these sermons about, hey, let's serve the Lord better. Hey, let's get out there. Let's, let's do our part. Hey, the whole church has to work together if we want the church to grow. Those lessons are not geared towards the people who are already doing the work. Those lessons are geared towards the people who aren't doing so much of the work. And again, I'm sure that's none of you, right? But those lessons are not geared towards to, to make anybody, not really not to make anybody feel guilty, but to encourage everybody to be more active so we can be a part of the, the family of God and we can work for the Lord. That's what it's about. It's not, in, in, not supposed to be guilty, guilt-ridden at all. Just encouraging folks to do this. But rest is important, but let's not use that as an excuse to not do anything. And if you are one of the workers, if you're just here at everything, you know, this isn't made to, to make you feel, feel guilty at all. Rest is not a bad thing, and overworking is something that can drain us completely. And if we don't take the rest that we need, we won't be able to serve the Lord how we need to. Again, Jesus promises this rest, but it's not rest without responsibility. There is a load, there is a burden, there is a responsibility in things that we ought to do. So let's look at Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jesus was intentional about seeking solitude. Jesus was intentional about seeking solitude. When we think about this, uh, this rest that we're going to talk about here for the next several minutes, um, there is a rest in fellowship. There is a rest in fellowship. And one thing that I would encourage you as a way to think about worship every Sunday is worship is not just about a responsibility for you to come here and to offer up worship to God. Maybe that's our most important thing. But worship is also about us getting a benefit from being not only together, but being in the presence of God. The reality is I think that if we were really about doing all the things that we need to be doing during the week on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, we would desperately need this opportunity to come together to worship God, to set our focus on the th- off the things that we have focused on and to, and to be back and to focus on the things that are really important. And Jesus was uh, intentional, not only about that kind of fellowship or even about the fellowship that some of you have experienced this week where you've had uh, friends come into town. We've got some friends in town this weekend and, and we had about 11 people in our house yesterday. And, and, and there, there is rest, there is uh, recuperation, there is replenishment uh, in being together with 
friends and family and loved ones. There is that kind of rest. But the rest that we're talking about today is different. Jesus was intentional about being alone. Multiple times he seeks the opportunity to be alone. And that's not easy. Some of you are extroverts and you love being with people. And that's fine and that's great. And again, there's, there can be rest and recuperation and replenishment in that time. But we see Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, the one who we're supposed to follow, frequently, regularly seeking time to be alone with God. Alone with God. There's a number of instances on the screen there. Perhaps the most uh, blatant instance where Jesus just, we can see Jesus was purposeful. He was intentional about seeking solitude is in Matthew chapter 14. Uh, in Matthew chapter 13, I believe Jesus hears about the, uh, the beheading of his uh, cousin, John the Baptist. And he's very distraught by this. Uh, and he, he goes away uh, and, and seeks some solitude. But as happens often in Jesus' ministry, the crowds follow him. And they, they're there and he teaches them for a while. And this is when he teaches, he feeds the 5,000. So he blesses them immensely in the midst of all this teaching. Uh, and then uh, he sends the crowds away. And not only does he send the crowds away, but he also sends his apostles away. And again, he seeks solitude. So he sought solitude, but he was interrupted. Now, what happens when, when you have good intentions to do something you know you ought to do, but then you get interrupted? Well, you, oftentimes, at least me, I don't go back and, and go back to that thing that I, I was trying to do because I've got so many other things to do. But Jesus didn't allow the interruptions to get in the way of his focus, his opportunity to seek solitude. Uh, so we need to sometimes take the time purposefully and intentionally to be alone with God. Secondly, uh, this solitude was accompanied with silence. Silence. Now, why is silence important when we think about this opportunity to be alone? When we seek solitude and silence, we're away from all the noise. We're away from the noise of social media. We're away from the noise of our friends and our family and the world and the messages of the world that are trying to constantly bombard us. You know, sometimes it's really hard to hear because of all the noise, isn't it? Have you ever thought, is, is it hard to hear or to comprehend or to consider what the Lord wants because of all the noise of the world? Because we're, we're constantly bombarded with pressures and struggles and difficulties at work or at home or in the media or on social media or just in our lives in general. And we're constantly bombarded with those things. And if we don't take the time to seek solitude in silence, we won't be able to hear the Lord the way that he really wants us to hear him. Maybe we're afraid we'll miss something, but we need to have that solitude in silence. Also, he sought it in stillness. Now, you know this verse, be still and know that I am God. And we have no problem with this idea of, of knowing that I am God. And we as Christians, we, we celebrate, we confess Jesus as Lord. We, we celebrate and recognize God as, as the creator of the world. We, we recognize that, but, but sometimes we, we skip over that part. Be still. To stop. All the busyness of life. There are times when we need to take the time to, to stop all the busyness of life and to make sure that we can recognize and maybe understand that it's okay if we don't accomplish all the tasks in our list because we need to focus on the Lord. And then finally and lastly, as we think about this, this solitude is paired with simplicity. Um, I've, I've shared with you before uh, that I don't like clutter. Anybody else? have a problem with clutter. Uh, when I walk into my children's room, often, uh, there's, there's clutter. And I have, a, I have a physical reaction to clutter. 
Uh, my chest tightens a little bit, and I have a hard time breathing sometimes when I walk into a room with clutter. Not just a little bit of clutter, but my kids' room kind of clutter, okay? Uh, clutter bothers me, okay? And I have to, hey, Riley, hey, Benjamin, let's pick this up a little bit. Uh, and I don't say just so daddy can breathe, uh, but that's, that's kind of what it's like, okay? Do you have a, a problem with clutter? But this idea of seeking solitude and, and really seeking simplicity in our life is not so much about the clutter in our homes, or about the clutter in our lives, it's about the clutter in our heart. How many things do we, do we have in our heart that we're, we're interested in and we care about and, and, and we, we place them in the spot that only God is supposed to have? And, and good things, right? You know, if, I, if I, you were to ask, you know, Benjamin, uh, the clutter in his room, well, what, what's the clutter in his room? Well, it's toys. And he thinks those are good things, right? And those are good things. It's fine for him to have toys. I'm glad he has toys. But... It gets in the way of the, the walking, right? And he likes Legos, parents. So I've stepped on some Legos, okay? They're, they're, they're not where they need to be, and there's something else that needs to be where they're at. So there needs to be a clear path to be able to get in and out of the room, and, and they're, they're prohibiting that. They're getting in the way. Brothers and sisters, what's supposed to be the most important thing in all of our lives as followers of Jesus? Jesus, his teaching, his example, and our following in his footsteps. Well, what Legos have you put in the way of following in the footsteps of Jesus? What things have you cluttered your heart with that have gotten in the way of following Jesus? In the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, there's certainly the the, the opportunity and the, the recognition that uh, purity of heart means not having uh, impure thoughts in our heart, uh, not having you know, lustful thoughts in our heart, not having greedy thoughts in our heart, not having uh, ungodly thoughts in our heart. But another way to think about the idea of purity of heart is, is a singleness of mind. I have one thing as the focus of my life. And as Christians, again, what's that supposed to be? Today, I will follow Jesus. And, as, and, and, and we, we can all say that, and we've all said something like that before, but what does that look like in practice? Well, when I, when I encounter a situation, when I encounter an individual that I'm having a, a conversation with, when I'm encountering an opportunity, when there's something at work or at home or on the road, whatever it is, well, well how does this fit into my life as a Christian? How does this uh, fit into my life as, as someone who's following Jesus? And if I can't do that and follow Jesus, then I make the decision not to do that. And I have a singleness of mind, a singleness of heart, a, a purity of heart. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In Matthew, again, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This morning when... When you think about your life, you know, maybe you're just thankful if you have tomorrow off. Man, I'm just so thankful for a day off because it, it keeps you from doing all of the other things that you've got to do. And there's just so much on your plate. Well, that's a that's a part that I think affects your your spiritual life, certainly. But if you were to look at your heart, if you were to look at your spiritual life, what are the things that you just get overwhelmed with? And in the midst of being overwhelmed with all of these other things, you maybe forget what's the most important thing. Jesus, his life, his death, 
His resurrection and our efforts to follow Him every day. The world is loud. God says sometimes you need silence. The world says you better be busy accomplishing things. You better get work done. God says you need to be still. Everything, all the time, all at once, is what the world wants you to handle. And when I say the world, who's the ruler of this world? Satan at least has some power in this world. And he's the one who's trying to distract you from God. What's your priority? Where are you at? And then lastly, how can you, how can you best serve God? Um, you can think back to the, the ping pong ball uh, description that we used several weeks ago. You can think back to uh, just, just anything. You think back to Scripture uh, that uh, the Lord says he'll, he'll bless us. And Psalm 23, what does it say? My cup overflows, right? I know that sometimes when we think about this idea of rest, uh, again, some of us, especially those of us, uh, most of us here, maybe to all of us here, you know, feel a little guilty about taking rest, about a day where we, we just recuperate. We don't do anything. Maybe we feel guilty about that sometimes. And maybe especially we may feel guilty about that when there's so many spiritual opportunities to, to take advantage of. Uh, but I heard this before. You've probably heard it before too. And it's something that's important to remember. You can't serve from an empty vessel. Have you ever, you know, had people over at your house? I think especially like uh, summertime. We, we don't use ours very much, but we've got one. And I love the idea of it. It's, it's, very, it's a very southern thing, uh, you know, to have the, the sweet tea in the jug that has the, has the handle that, you know, you just put your cup underneath there. And maybe you've got, you know, sliced lemons in the sweet tea that's in this jug. And it's a very southern summertime thing to do. Well, if that jug runs out, is there any more tea left? No. Talking about tea in a sermon. Didn't think I would do that. No, there's nothing, there's nothing left in there to serve with. Well, in your life, if, if you don't take the time to rest, if, if Jesus needed to take the time to rest, take the time for that solitude and that silence and, and all the other things that we've talked about today, if Jesus took that time and he's the son of God, certainly there will be times when, when we need to do this. And it's not because we're lazy. It's not because we're trying to, to avoid work. It's because we recognize the wisdom that you can't serve someone from an empty vessel. And in this opportunity to, to rest and to focus on God and to remember the things that God has done for us, he, he fills us up again, and we go back out into the world to serve Him again. Again, I think that's what Sundays should be. I hope that's what Sundays are for you, that you've served the Lord every day this week, that you've, you've planted seed and you've watered seed and you've loved your neighbor and you've loved your enemy, and that's difficult, and you've, you've prayed for people when they persecute you, and, and that's difficult, and you've done all the things that God says you need to do that are not easy to do, and you are just wore out spiritually. And you come here, and we worship God, and we sing these songs, and we observe the Lord's Word, we pray together, and I hope that fills you up. But sometimes you'll need time on your own to be with God. So I hope that, that will be an encouraging thing for you, and you'll consider that even this week. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for who you are and who you allow us to be. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that we will wear ourselves out working for you. Lord, I, I pray that you'll put people in our lives. And Lord, you have put people in our lives that need to hear the gospel all around us every day. That need to grow in the knowledge of grace and mercy and the name of Jesus and those who need to become Christians and and Lord, we, there's, there's so much work to do. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to send us more and more workers, God. Lord, be with those of us who are, 
who are trying to, to work for you and, and doing the things that you would have us to do. And Lord, I, again, I pray you'll, you'll wear us out, God, and we will we'll wear ourselves out for you. And, and not because that saves us, but because you've saved us and we're so grateful for it, God. And Lord, I pray that as we, as we do that, you'll give us the rest that we need. And, and we'll take the time, like your son, our Savior, our Lord Jesus did, to stop and to rest and to recuperate and to get the energy that we need to get back out there and spread the gospel all the more. Lord, please forgive us when we are lazy, and probably all of us are sometimes. Lord, we pray that you will help us to, to recognize and, and not overlook or turn our head the other direction when we see opportunities. Help us to serve. Help us, if necessary, to get down on our hands and feet and, and, uh, and wash other folks' feet to do the things that nobody else wants to do. Lord, help us to be like your son Jesus who gave up his life so that we could live for him. We thank you for that and we pray that you will use us for your glory. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, this morning, if you're not a Christian, uh, the Bible teaches that you've got you to believe in God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God because the one who comes to the Lord must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you believe in God? More importantly, do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrected Son of God? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 tells us uh, that we confess that belief. And in confessing that belief, we have named Jesus as our Lord and we allow Him to be the ruler of our lives. In Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31, Paul tells some of the believers there, some people who are maybe about to be believers in Paul's eyes, he tells them that God has now called everyone to repent because He's fixed a day in which He will judge the world according to the man that he furnished, that is Jesus Christ. Uh, one day, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and Paul urges us, God urges us, to turn away from the world and to turn towards him. And he says that the way that we can get all of our past sins forgiven is through baptism. Nothing magical about the water, uh, but it is the way that God has asked us to access the grace that he offers to us. Acts chapter 2, and verse 38, 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 21 among many verses that tell us about the importance of baptism. Have you been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? To begin that new life with Jesus. If you haven't done that, we would encourage you to think about that, study about that. If you're ready to do it right now, we would love to help you with that. Brothers and sisters, I hope that you'll take the time to focus on God to get the rest that you need so that you can fill yourself up and go out these doors and serve people who are lost in our community. If you have any needs this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.